Welcome to episode 95 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, 2, The Couples Episode. If you're hiking or backpacking with your significant other, there are some great benefits and some relationship pitfalls. Then on the Summit Gear Review, we'll share a pair of shoes that will help you get through better or worse. On the Backpack Hack of the Week, a tweak to your sleep system that maximizes your heat output. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom that just may save your relationship. All this, and that's about it, today on the first 40 miles. So, husband and a wife are walking down the trail, and this sounds like the beginning of a really bad joke with a terrible punchline, but it's what you and I do. We go hiking together, and we go backpacking together. And over the last couple of years, I've noticed great things that have happened in our relationship because of backpacking together. But then I've also noticed these struggles that we go through um, together on backpacking trips. And I guess the best way for me to describe it is that both of us got into what I call trail mode and spent a lot of time focusing on recharging our own batteries while we were out in nature and it was so beautiful and not really spending time focused on each other. When we first moved to Oregon, we were just so in love with all of the scenery. And I just remember going on lots of drives when we first moved here and Josh would just say, oh, isn't Oregon so beautiful? just so beautiful. I love Oregon so, so, so much. And after a while, I just said, Josh, I think you love Oregon more than you love me. And there may have been some tears and, you know, a long, long talk afterwards. But, you know, this, this idea that we're out in this beautiful place, just in awe all the time, it really kind of takes our whole, it kind of takes over our senses. And that, I think, has been the biggest pitfall for us as we backpack as a couple, just that we forget to notice each other. We've been experiencing and and trying to tackle this issue for quite a while now. We've gone out on trips either as the two of us or with friends or with the kids And every time we get out on the trail and it's this beautiful experience, we're out in nature. And yet there's been many times there's a little bit of friction that we feel in our relationship. And so we've brought in our marriage therapist, doctor. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, this is something we've had to figure out. And we kind of wanted to talk about it on this episode a little bit, just to maybe see if other people have had the same experience, kind of this feeling of going out into nature, feeling personally recharged, but then feeling afterwards like you went out with this random person and you didn't, uh, you didn't ever connect with them. 
Sorry, Josh, you're not a random person. I know you, but yeah, but you're saying you that, that that's feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that's what it ends up feeling like by the time you're done with the trip. You're like, well, it could have been any random person in his or her spot. Yeah, that, yeah, and I don't know that we've found the answers yet, but we want to. I guess we want to give people a heads up because especially if we've got people listening to the show who are going to take their spouse or significant other out for the first time on a backpacking trip, then they may be in a situation similar to us. Who knows? Maybe it'll be completely different. But our situation was, I grew up backpacking and had several reasons for loving it. And when at the last minute you stepped up and decided to go on this 40-mile trip around Mount Hood a couple of years ago. Wow, that changed everything for us. <laughs> but I loved that I was going to be able to share this true mountain experience with you. And throughout that trip, you just completely amazed me with the way that you prepared for and, and handled that trip. It just blew me away and in many ways brought us closer together. And yet, I think the trick is, it's hard to explain, but I think the trick is, I already knew why I went backpacking, to be in wonder of nature and to have solitude and quiet and to be in places that hardly anyone has ever seen. And all of those things could happen for me on a backpacking trip, whether you were there or not. For most of my life, you had not been there on those backpacking trips. Well, I think you hit on something that's really unique to backpacking. It is definitely a one-person sport. You know, you don't need a whole team of people to do backpacking or to play backpacking. You do it by yourself, and you can do it by yourself with other people. But each of you have this pack that has everything that you personally need for your outdoor adventure. I mean, even the trails are designed for just one person. They're typically not wide enough for two people to walk down holding hands and smiling at each other. You know, it's just a one person wide trail. So as you started going on backpacking trips with me, what were your expectations? Uh, What were you getting out of those trips? And at the same time, what was it that you were expecting that maybe wasn't happening? That's a really great question. I think I expected more talking time on the trail. And that just does not happen on the trail. You're too spread out. You know, you're behind the other person or in front of the other person. Even on days where we have downtime, a lot of times you and I have different goals on those zero days. On our most recent trip, you headed out to the coast or to the beach and spent time out there while I stayed back by the lake and did some sketching. So we both came away from that trip personally recharged, but as a couple, maybe a little bit disconnected. So I guess maybe one of my expectations is something that may have been on the cover of an REI catalog, you know, where a guy and a girl are sitting next to the campfire. He put the sleeping bag around both of them, so they're both like snuggled up next to the fire and... She's smiling at him and he's smiling at her. It's like this magical moment. Right. And then reality is (laughs) that you're both wearing these huge down puffies (laughs) with hats over your heads. And like you can only see each other's faces. That's about it. Which are dirty and kind of red from being burnt by the sun and the wind. And 
you just spent the last hour going to the bathroom, right? Like going and finding a place and <laughs> everything else. And there was nowhere to wash your hands. And now you're back at the campfire, but it's kind of dying. So you've got to go forage for some more wood. And you're going further and further from camp to find more wood. <laughs> and the wind keeps blowing and changing direction. So every time you sit by the fire, the smoke blows in your face and you're like, ah, let's move over here. Yeah, there are a lot of romance killers out on the trail. <laughs> And so you're thinking, I don't want to get the sleeping bag out of its safe spot over there and risk having it by the fire and moving around and getting it dirty. And yeah, we go out backpacking. We have these tremendous experiences. And, you know, we do challenge ourselves. And that's part of the value of backpacking to have those really challenging moments when we're just doing things that we take for granted at home. But how do you take those moments to draw close together in your relationship while you're out there. We don't have any solutions. We don't have any uh, great advice or anything, but we're gonna keep trying to figure it out because we love backpacking and Josh and I love spending time together. We have great conversations and really enjoy just being together. But for some reason, there's something about the trail that I guess there's a lot of challenges. So we just have to figure that out. And so while we don't have the answers, I guess um, the one piece of advice that we may have is to just be aware that your experience out backpacking may not match your romantic ideal. You got to be aware of how the other person is feeling. I don't know. Just awareness. That's all I can come up with. Awareness. I'm just saying the same word over and over. We have no answers. Yeah. But yeah, definitely just being aware, I think. You know what we talked about in a recent episode about um, expectations? If you lower your expectations, you're going to be a lot happier. And we'll definitely keep trying to figure this out because Josh and I enjoy backpacking as a couple. And we know lots of other couples do too. So if you have advice that you'd like to share with us or the first 40 miler community, please share because this is something we definitely want to get figured out. Well, we said we have no advice, but actually <laughs> we're not going to leave you hanging. I mean, we do have a top five list of tips for backpacking as a couple. And these are things that we have figured out. I think we have progressed over the last couple of years. So yay us. Some of these things are more nuts and bolts, kind of logistics stuff. So yeah, we've figured that stuff out. Uh, and then I guess it's more of the uh, the relationship building stuff that we're still right. working on. That's it. Yes. So the number one tip for backpacking as a couple is to divide the labor. And we had this experience on our Salmon River trip overnighter where I guess everything just divided so perfectly. Josh was able to set up the tarp in the tent, and I was able to set up everything inside of the tent, and then we just enjoyed a really nice trip. We had a really nice recap of that trip on episode 69. In fact, the top five list was uh, all about the things that we enjoyed from that trip, which, by the way, was in the middle of winter back in February. And one of the things on that top five list was just this, how we kind of had this natural division of labor that uh, we both benefited from. The number two tip for backpacking as a couple is don't take things personally. Yeah, I think it's especially common for uh, whoever is the more experienced person in the pair to feel a heavier weight of responsibility. Um, did I pick the right trail with the right length and the right elevation gain and not too many mosquitoes and not too hot, not too cold? Did I get a flat enough 
spot for the tent, all of that, because, you know, as you're out backpacking, of course, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have challenges, some things that are hard to deal with. And so when the person who's newer at it runs into those things and they're going to run into them a little bit more than the experienced person will, then the experienced person feels this weight or this burden of trying to fix it or make it better. Or perhaps, you know, oh, how could I have avoided that? Oh, no, is this, you know, is she going to have a bad experience because of this and be turned off to backpacking? What can I do to make it good? So when we say don't take things personally, I guess what's embedded in that piece of advice is your first reaction is going to be, to take things personally, either against yourself or against the other person. And our advice is to move past that quickly to the problem-solving stage. Definitely. And I think this also leads really well to the number three tip for backpacking as a couple, and that is to encourage. I think it's so great to see each other succeed, and that happens a lot on the trail. I mean, it's not easy to get from point A to point B beautiful. And so if you're seeing your partner overcome something really challenging, then verbalize it, express it, and recognize the effort. For me personally, it goes a long way. Just a little compliment goes a really long way. And the challenge here, I suppose, is not to be, I don't know, like patronizing. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, good job. Yeah, like you do with a three-year-old, you know. Uh Oh, good job you stepped over that route that was across the trail and Mm -hmm. you didn't stumble and fall. Good job. (laughs) But definitely at the end of the day, just a... Wow, you really got through some tough stuff today. I just, I was so amazed by you. Thanks for coming out here with me. I guess you're saying it's some of those little things, you know, thanks for making a good dinner or, um, hey, you picked a great spot for the tent, you know, things like that. Oh, totally. I'm going to play this episode over and over because I love that. Thanks, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the number four tip for backpacking as a couple would be to recognize and appreciate each other's perspective. You know, you both have different skills, interests, different ways that you solve problems and overcome personal struggles. Frankly, this is a hard one for me, and I mess up on this one a lot. Um, Because I've been backpacking longer, I have my set ways of doing things, and I think they're pretty obvious to me. But they're not necessarily obvious to you or anyone else, and they're not necessarily the only way to do something. But in my mind, they are because it's the way I've always done it. And sometimes it can be just little stuff. When we went on our first hammock camping trip, our hammocks were parallel to each other and very close to each other. So Jonathan from the Hang Your Own Hang podcast taught us how when your hammocks are that close to each other and they're parallel, then you put your heads at opposite ends so that, you know, if if both of your heads are at one end, your shoulders are going to bump into each other the whole night. So by being uh, opposite ends, it balances things out more. Well, then on our second hammock camping trip, I set up our two hammocks in a triangular pattern. So one end of our hammocks were tied to the same tree. The other ends were tied to different trees. So they spread away from each other a little bit. And in my mind, that was because we were going to have our heads at the same end of our hammocks as each other and our feet, you know, together at the other end where they were closer together. And so that made sense in my mind for kind of the shape and symmetry of things. Well, I didn't communicate that with you. I mean, I just set up hammocks. And so it wasn't until I got in bed at like 9.30 at night that I saw that you were laying with your head at the wrong end of your (laughs) hammock. (laughs) 
<laughs> but was it really the wrong end of your hammock? I don't know. It's just that I had a certain perspective that I didn't share with you, and yet I somehow assumed that you would know that perspective. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even know that. Right. Yeah, because I didn't tell you. I just thought it was obvious. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet of you, though, to set it up like that. Thank you. Well, the number five tip for backpacking as a couple is to share your gear. That includes things like your stove, all your food preparation can be shared, your tent can be shared. There's really no sense in packing two of everything when you can share a lot of things. And I'm all over this tip. I, I have no problem with number five here. All right. <laughs> Feeling better now. Good. Yes. Yeah, and on our most recent backpacking trip, we had individual hammocks, but we shared a tree. That oh. was really nice. <laughs> and, and of course, we shared a tarp. We did. Yeah, that's right. So backpacking as a couple is a lot of fun. I think we've maybe made it sound a little more challenging than it really is. But, you know, our top five list today, um, the dividing labor, not taking things personally when the other person is going through challenges, encouraging the other person, appreciating and recognizing each other's perspective and sharing your gear. We really feel like that's a good start to backpacking as a couple. And of course, there are lots of other things that you can learn or your marriage therapist can teach you about backpacking together. But um, it's definitely been a real, um, it's been a real highlight in Josh's and my marriage. To start out today's Summit Gear Review, I want to start with a question. When you support something, does it become weaker or stronger? I guess it depends on how you support it. So let's say when you cast a broken limb, by immobilizing the limb, it gives time for the bone to heal, which is the purpose of the cast. What happens to the muscle? Oh, the muscle atrophies. So after the cast is removed, you have to do physical therapy to regain all the muscle strength. So what if you were to put your foot in a cast and walk around with your foot always in a cast? Every time you were out walking, your foot is in a cast. I don't think that's a great idea. No. <laughs> and yet, if you look at a lot of shoes today, they are essentially performing the function of a cast. They're putting all this support around your foot and around your ankle. And support is a good word in the industry, right? Shoes that have lots of support. And that's what you want. Or is it? A year or two ago, I read this fascinating book by Christopher McDougall called Born to Run. And it's about the Tarahumara Indians and how they run barefoot or with just these uh, very minimal, you know, basically something under the bottom of their feet to prevent cuts and scrapes and stuff. And how they're tremendous long distance endurance runners with such minimal footwear. And it really was a paradigm shift for me as I realized that maybe everything I'd learned about footwear prior might be wrong. As I read that book and I learned about the barefoot movement, I guess you could call it, I began to question everything I had learned about shoes. An archway gains its strength by the compression that's happening. And if you fill in or support an archway, it completely blows apart the arch. It no longer works. Exactly. And so today we're reviewing a pair of shoes from Zero Shoes. Zero is spelled X-E-R-O. So zero shoes aren't too far away from what the Tarahumara people wear on their feet. 
I mean, there's no arch support, there's no webbing, there's no uh, fancy breathable, you know, stretchy stuff all around it. It's shoes in its most basic, basic form. So today we're going to review a couple pair of shoes by Zero Shoes. One of them is called the Umara Z Trail, and the other one is called the Amuri Z Trek. They sound really similar, and they're very similar shoes. But today we just kind of wanted to talk about the basic concept behind Zero Shoes in the gear review, because it's such a strange concept to a lot of people. The idea of just wearing something to protect the bottom of your feet but not support any arch or provide any kind of other features that hiking boots typically offer. As we compare these two shoes, we'll just call them the Z-Trek and the Z-Trail. For structure, the Z-Trek shoes have just a one-piece kind of rubber-feeling sole with some straps with Velcro around the the strap that goes behind your heel, so you can adjust that, and then an adjustable uh, buckle-type strap and clip that goes over the top of your foot. And the Z-Trail is just a little bit more, um, I guess it's like a cupcake with frosting on it. It's just the basic rubber, but then it also has a little bit of cushioning, just a little bit. Like you can still feel the ground, but there's just a teeny bit of softness and a little bit more stiffness too. You can't roll it up tight like you can the Z-Trex that Josh is talking about. And I think the best way to differentiate between these two shoes is that the Z-Trail provides a little more comfort and the Z-Trek allows you to feel the ground. Like Steven at Zero Shoes said, oh right, I can feel things again when he wears the Z-Trek shoes. You can just feel more things underneath your feet, which allows you to feel the earth and kind of allow your body to make those micro movements, which end up strengthening your feet. For utilities, Zero Shoes are designed for barefoot running. And when you put them on for the first time, you'll notice that you've got to adapt your gait a little bit. We are really accustomed to heel striking when we walk or run. And that's because we have all of this padding that's been added to our shoes. Plus, the weight distribution of our shoes is such that they are heavier in the back. And so it's just natural when you're wearing these heavy shoes, kind of conventional shoes, that you're going to strike with your heel first. And because of that padding, you know, your heel doesn't really feel the shock but the shock is still there and it goes up to your knees and it goes up to your hips. And maybe your hips don't feel that shock, but they're getting the shock. And then over time, you end up having hip troubles and knee troubles and that kind of stuff because of that heel strike that's so harsh. And when I put zero shoes on for the first time and tried running in them, then I noticed that it was much more natural for me to do either a toe strike or a flat full foot strike when my feet hit the ground. And because I was using my feet differently, then it meant that my body was working in a more natural way to absorb the shock of the impact. When I first started wearing them, one of my questions in my mind was, okay, this is different and cool, but, you know, if I wear these constantly for the next few weeks or month, am I going to start to have some pains that traditional shoes would have prevented? And no, I didn't. And so I wore them for a few more months and a few more months. And I mean, it's been over a year and literally this is my favorite shoe company. (laughs) I mean, of all the gear reviews that we've done on this podcast, 
I think I am the most passionate about Zero Shoes because of just what a profound change happened in my thought process and my experience as I wore these. When I first started wearing them, or when I first got them, I posted a little message on Twitter and said, oh, I'm excited to try my Zero Shoes. I wonder if anyone has gone backpacking in them. And Stephen from Zero Shoes responded and said, oh, yeah, people go backpacking in them all the time. And, you know, I was new to them at the time. And I thought, well, I don't know. How would I, you know, make it down a trail with gravel on it? I'm going to feel all that, all that gravel through my feet. And, you know, some of those concerns that I had. Well, now I go backpacking in them on a regular basis. Well, the Z Trails, like I said, they have a little more cushion. They're also 20% lighter than the Z Trek. So a pair of the Z Trails weigh about 8.6 ounces for a women's size 7. And the Z Trek, which is just the plain rubber, weigh about 11 ounces for a women's size 7. Just a few ounces difference, but these are incredibly lightweight, which is going to make a huge difference in how you feel walking down the trail. You're not going to have these concrete shoes. It's just going to feel so much lighter and so much better. As far as maintenance goes, you can just hand wash these or stream wash them. Stream wash. Stream, nice. Like wash them in a stream. <laughs> yeah. And you can wash them on the go by just walking through a stream. That's one of the things I love. In fact, when we went on our Redwoods trip last fall, there was one day that was forecasted to be mostly rainy. And sure enough, it was rainy that day. And I decided, okay, well, it's kind of cold out, but you know, if I keep wearing my hiking shoes today, they're going to get totally soaked by the rain. So my experiment on that trip was, I'm going to wear my Z-Trek uh, Zero Shoes today. So I did that. It was a rainy day. We, were, we had our rain gear on and everything, but my feet were bare except for the Zero Shoes. Well, at the end of the day, all I had to do was take off the shoes, dry off my feet a little, and put on my warm, dry socks when I went to bed. It was just like, I keep talking about these paradigm shifts. It's like, you can put all of this technology into making a waterproof, breathable hiking boot, or you can just ditch all that and go basically barefoot and your feet just dry off naturally. Well, as far as investment goes, the Z-Trail, which is like the cupcake shoe with all the different layers, that is $80. And you're paying for something that's softer, a little bit thicker, and about 20% lighter. And the Z-Trek, which is the single piece of rubber, that is about $60. Zero shoes come with a 5,000-mile warranty. And I got to say, as much as I've been using these shoes, you know, after a few years, I'm actually going to get to 5,000 miles. <laughs> I would say the Z-Treks are pretty much bulletproof. After wearing them for over a year, I see very little wear. I mean, a little bit of wear pattern on the bottom of the sole in certain areas, but the tread is still there. And really, I mean, no scrapes or pokes or anything. I will say the Z-Trail shoes, they are softer and lighter. And there are some spots where you can kind of see that the softer foam has gotten scuffed up or worn away or things have kind of poked into it. They put the really great rubber on the parts of the shoe that receive the greatest amount of wear. And then they just use the really soft foam on the parts that don't get a lot of wear. So, I mean, they were smart about where they put the, the tough stuff. But still, you can, you can see a little bit of wear on the shoe. So... I would say they're they're bulletproof enough, but not as bulletproof as the Z-Trex. Those ones, like you said, we've been wearing them for over a year and there's hardly any wear marks on the shoes. 
And I kind of wonder, like, in future trips, would I wear, like, colder weather trips, rainy trips, would I wear the zero shoes? And this is something I've kind of wondered about for the last year because, you know, I have great hiking boots and I have these shoes, these zero shoes that I love. But is there a way to do a mashup, you know, like have a little bit more coverage so I don't get stuff in between my toes? Could I have the best of both shoes? Yeah. Plus, there's the social stigma of wearing socks with your sandals. <laughs> And, and so if those sandals were just covered, but they had the same sole, you know, the same structure, but right. just a covering over the top, so they were a shoe, then when it's cold outside, you can wear socks without feeling out of style. Right. <laughs> and yes, Zero Shoes is coming out with their very first covered shoe, hopefully within about four to six weeks. And so we will keep you updated on that, probably via Twitter or Facebook. And I think Josh is also going to try and talk zero shoes into making some business casual shoes. You know, just it, it's you totally outside of their market. But what I would love is zero shoes that I can wear to meetings. So I'm, I'm holding out for that. For today's backpack hack of the week, sleeping bags zipped together. This is like the ultimate couples hack, you know? Why each sleep in your own sleeping bag when you could combine the sleeping bags and like double the warmth? It just makes sense. So the way that this works is that each person carries their own sleeping bag, one person carries a right zipper sleeping bag, and the other person carries a left zipper sleeping bag. And when you buy your sleeping bags, this is something that's marked on the outside of the bag. You can tell whether it's a right zipper or a left zipper. All sleeping bags, as long as they are zipper compatible, can be zipped together. So even mummy bags can be zipped together as long as one's a right zip and the other's a left zip. Otherwise, if they're both left zip, then one of the hoods for the mummy bag would be facing upward and the other one would be facing downward. So it's still possible. And really the key is you want the bags to have the same zipper size. So even if you may not have purchased the bags at the same time or if they're not the same brand, you could still give it a try, you know, see if your different bags are compatible. Let that be the litmus test for your relationship. <laughs> if your bags are compatible, then you are too. Oh, but it's just a great way to trap extra warmth and sleep extra close. We have a couple of Ledge brand sleeping bags. Uh, one's a right zip, one's a left zip, and so they work great for that. Yeah, definitely. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, George Barrow. We promised this would be a little bit of relationship wisdom as well. <laughs> <laughs> he said, two great talkers will not travel far together. I like that one. I think it's, I think it's wise. You got to have like a talker and a listener and then trade places every once in a while. When I first read it, I thought it meant that uh, because they would be so into their conversation, they just wouldn't really cover very many miles. Oh, interesting. And then the second time I read it and got the same interpretation you did, if both people are talking, then they're not going to really, they're not compatible. So like you said, take some time to talk, take some time to listen. That'll make the trail time really enjoyable. 
That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. First hammock camping trip. Hammock. <laughs> <laughs> hammock. Am I uh, You're a, a challenging co host today? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not challenging. You're not challenging at all. Then what's Amuri? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Japanese okay. paste. Oh. So, no, it's not. I'm oh. just making that up. <laughs>